I, I, want, I, want to, I want to explore a couple of things tonight, and I, I want to go pretty quickly, okay? Um, I, I can, I'm not going to promise a short sermon because every time I promise one, I never give it. But I'm going, to, I'm going to try to move quickly through some of these things. And there are just some things for us to think about, uh, for th- some things for us to think about as we prepare to vote, to pay a part in that process. By the way, the part that we're supposed to make in that process is that Christian contribution to that process, right? So, so we want to prepare for those things. Four questions that I want us to think about in our own minds. Number one, as we think about voting or, or politics or um, these issues in general, question, am I eager to maintain unity? Am I eager, when I think about my role, as I think about the church and politics, am I eager to maintain unity? Now, now why is that important? Well, it's important because this is a very divisive issue, right? So some of you shared your trepidation when I said, we're going to talk about politics, and I was like, oh, no, 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 that's not going to end well, because we all know that's a divisive issue, Right? I mean, there are certain things you don't talk about at Thanksgiving, right? You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. But if you're a Christian, you might talk about both of them. But, but, but whatever, you, you understand the sentiment that's there. We need to be careful that we are eager to maintain unity. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The, the English Standard Version says, says that, that, that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. What I really want to do is hold the body together. And what I really don't want to do is to tear the body apart. I, I know there's a nature of the gospel of, that, that, that the gospel itself can be a divisive thing. I, I know that. Jesus said, do not say that I came to bring peace on earth right? I came to bring a sword. And so sometimes the gospel causes division by the nature of what it is. But sometimes the gospel does not necessitate division. I think I made up a funny word there. It, it, it does not, you know, it doesn't mean that we have to have division. And we control that. We control that with our words. We control that with our attitudes. We control that sometimes by being silent, sometimes by speaking. I'm just saying, do we Do we really want to protect the unity of the body? This is a challenge not with politics, but really in regards to any sort of controversial issue. I couldn't couldn't help but think about the struggles going on within the church as they relate to COVID-19. There are struggles in the church, are there not? All over the world, all over the country. Those things don't just happen in people's lives, they happen in members of the church's lives, congregations that are being torn apart. And my my thought is, are we really eager to maintain unity? Is that something that we really want to do, right? And, And please, don't think about other people. Think about yourself, okay? Are we really eager to maintain unity because we believe that this is a body that's worth protecting, this is a body that's worth us sacrificing even some of our own person, personal choices for. Or does it have to be our way or the highway all the time? I had this thought. I'm telling you that I would rather get COVID-19 than cause division in the church. 
Do you agree with that? I'll take it a step further because most, most of you who've had COVID-19, it was just kind of a, 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 mild, a mild flu, right? I would rather get COVID-19 and die than cause division in the church. I don't know how to be any bolder than that. Are we eager? Do, are we willing to do anything in order to have unity in the church? We need to think about that with that issue, obviously, but to translate in regards to how we deal with political issues. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about some sort of a flimsy unity, right? And, and that, that's where, well, you know, we just won't talk about it, and, and we'll just kind of, you know, stand side by side. And this, listen, y- y'all know me well enough that I, I don't preach that way, okay? I don't live that way. I don't talk that way. Sometimes to my own detriment, right? Sometimes just to make the elders nervous on some, I mean, I, I, I think that's useless, we, we might as well not, not even be here if that's the sort, sort of unity that we're going to have. That's not what we're talking about. The very last thing that churches need is some sort of a, a vague, ambiguous, flimsy unity that has nothing to do with Jesus and nothing to do with His Word. I'm very much to the point that we need a specific, a, a, super, a supernatural, a, 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 a solid unity that's centered on Jesus and on His Word. But the only way we can have that is through work. We, we have to work on that. You want to have unity in your home? You want to have unity in your marriage? You want to have unity with your children? You want to have unity in the church? You're going to have to work on those things. I'm going to have to learn to love and to listen. That, that, that's the reality. And you, you make the application, right? I'm, I'm, I'm moving quickly because I want you guys to make the application. James says in James 1 and verse 19, My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's a concept that will change your relationships. That's a concept that will keep you from being a person who's always causing division and allow you to be a person who's creating unity. Eager to maintain unity. You think about that. Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst, amongst your, your family. And just say, okay, so, so what do we do? How can we work to create unity in the body? I think it's a great question. For a lot of your times of family worship, for a lot of your times of devotion, just to see. And if you can't come up with anything, well, then that might be an indication of a bigger problem right? Question number two, before we vote. That's not a question, but, but to understand, it's not about my rights. Oh, I love my rights. I'm an American, right? I mean, I love my rights. Um, you can start off with the Bill of Rights, and then we can just kind of work from there. When, when we go to vote, I want us to not think about ourselves, or at least not firstly think of ourselves. This, this is very basic stuff, but we struggle with this, right? But all the way back, you remember when you were a small child, J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. You remember, there's, got, there's a song with that, but I don't remember the song, but I remember the acronym. But that's a very biblical idea. As we think about, so what is best? What do I want to happen? How do we want to support these things? Number one, I want to ask, well, how is... How is God going to see these things? I mean, that, that's first and foremost, right? I mean, 
no matter, no, ma- no matter what Marley might think about this, I got to ask what God thinks about this, right? That's, that's first and foremost. And, and, and I mean, I, I love Marley. I care about Marley. I'm going to listen to Marley. But I'm not violating what God thinks just for Marley. But, but after I answer that question, then I got to say, well, what about Marley? Thanks for letting me. Your dad says this is the splash zone. Welcome to it. Okay, but, but, but this idea of how are these things going to impact others? We have a great need for us not just to reflect upon ourselves, but for us to reflect upon the larger picture. We, th- th- there's a lot of conversation in our world today about um, um, systematic issues, right? And we've talked about some of those things, even from the pulpit, we've talked about some of those things. But, but, but what people are trying to say is that th- there's something about the, the larger culture that, that impacts our lives, and that plays out in a lot of different arenas. Well, part of my role as a Christian, right, I don't, I don't, I don't control the whole, the whole culture, but is for me to say, but how, how do these choices impact that larger culture? I'm just concerned that sometimes in my own life, I don't, I don't ever get to asking that question. I always see how they impact me, but I don't always see how they impact others. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 3 and 4. We've talked quite a bit about this verse here lately, but to me it's like one of these. If Acts 2 is the hub of the Bible, I don't know what you call Philippians 2, but maybe it's the heartbeat of, of the New Testament. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. That changes, that changes everything from how you walk in and out of a gas station when there are people that are walking around you to what you do in a voting booth to how you interact with your family at home, if we get that. I've got to ask those questions. This is not about my rights. This is why we care about widows and orphans, that pure and undefiled religion. Not because... Not because that's always our natural bent, but because that's Christ-like. To think of others before we think of ourselves. Once again, this is not for other people. This is about you and me. This is for us to think about. Thirdly, I want us to ask this question. This is a big one. Who has my heart? Who has my heart? And I guess what, what, what I mean by that is, where, where is my hope? I mean, the, the, this, this hope, we've talked a lot about hope, right, all throughout, all throughout this month. But where, where does my hope rest? Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials." Our hope is to rest in Jesus Christ. Now, 
that, that seems rather simplistic, right? But I'm going to tell you that there is such depth to understanding and to asking ourselves, where does our hope truly reside? We think about anxiety and all the anxieties that go on in the world around us. If we get this, it's going to help us. He speaks to a people here. He says, I know that you're grieved by various trials. I know there are all these things going on that seem so out of control. Are Are you out of control too? Or does Jesus have your heart? There, there are people in this world today, and we, we touched on this a little bit this morning, but, but, but there are people in this world today who live in totally totalitarian regimes. There, there are people who, I'm talking about your brethren, who worship as a part of secret churches. You, you think about China. Tara, I thought about, I thought about you. Uh, Tara's done mission work in, in China, right? Um, in, in Wuhan, right? know something about the virus you can tell us later but 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 she's done mission work there in 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 the past and and so you know people that are living brothers and sisters I don't know them but but you know people that are living trying to live the Christian life in the midst in the midst of of a communist regime that quite honestly in the last couple years has been cracking down upon Christianity but places places where people's lives where people's families where people's livelihoods are threatened because they would follow Christ. People live in places like that, and there are many examples we could give of that. People who live in places like that don't struggle with putting their hope in the government. They don't believe that the government is going to save them. The the, the thought has probably never even entered their mind. Their peace, their joy, their happiness it doesn't hinge on a political leader or, or a, a, a political platform or policies. Do, do you know where it rests? Jesus. It rests on Jesus. And, and that's really what I mean when I encourage us to ask that question, who has my heart? And we say, well, you know what they could really use in places like that? They could really use the freedoms and the protections that we have as followers of Jesus in the United States. Amen. They could really use those things, right? And the truth is, hey, we, we stand in danger of losing some of those things. That's absolutely right. That ought, to, that ought to shake us. That ought to wake us up. That ought to move us into the voting booth. That's true. But, but here's the reality. If my heart rests in the things of this world, I'm not going to have hope. But if it rests in Jesus, we, we, we could go to worst case scenario. I, I, like, to listen to, um, I like to listen to talk radio um, during the day. But it's, I mean, even if I'm driving late at night and I cannot remember this guy's name, but, but there's a guy who's on the radio late at night. And I'm just going to tell you, if, I mean, he talks and it's almost, it's like terrifying even to listen to what he says, because like you will be convinced the sky is falling. I wish I could remember this guy's name, but he is, he paints a pretty bleak picture and he has for a very long time. And even if everything that people say could happen is going to happen, even if all that does happen, we can still have hope. We can still have peace and we can still have joy as long as we are looking to Jesus. But if we're looking someplace else for our salvation, 
for our deliverance, you'll never have peace. You, you, you may win the election, and that may make you feel good for about 30 seconds. And then you'll move on to something else that threatens your peace. Because when we go to vote, and I hope you do, I expect you to, consider who really has our heart. And then finally, finally, we'll just ask the question, what, 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 about, what about after you vote? We, we put a lot of stress on voting. We've got to get people signed up to vote. We've got you know, to get people to the polls. <laughs> I, some, sometimes the political liberals in our country, they, they, do, they really push voting. And, and it always occurs to me, like, well, yeah, but I, I, I kind of wonder if what they're doing is getting more conservatives to, to, to the voting booth. I hope that's what hap is happening from their efforts. Then go ahead, get, get people signed up. I don't know, I'm just speculating, but what about after you vote? What about after you vote? I read a quote this last week from, um, from Melvin Ote. Um, Melvin teaches law at, uh, over at the Faulkner Law School. You probably heard him preach a couple of times. But, but Melvin just said this. He said, some Christians think they've done their Christian duty by voting for someone else to do their Christian duty. Let me read that again. I thought it was pretty good. He said, some Christians think they've done their Christian duty by voting for someone else to do their Christian duty. I think he's right about that. We, we, we ought to vote, and we ought to vote about morals and moral things, but little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So, so you go and you have all the influence that you can politically on this world through your faith. Do that. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. But, but you don't leave it there. I mean, the, the, these things are still important no matter who wins the election. These things are, are, still, are, still, are still influential in the world that is around us. So, so you find, so what can I do about these things? So, so there's something going on in our, in our world that you're outraged about, how horrible this is? Okay, speak your mind about that. Let, let, let your voice be heard. Go to the polls, vote, but then, but then what do you do about it? We might ask ourselves the question, if all we do is, is well, I spent, you know, the, the line was only 45 minutes for me, and, right? And that's all I do? do? Do I really care that much? I think that's what John's trying to say. I, 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 and I know, I know I can't do everything. I know there are limits. Sometimes I don't know what to do, okay? But I need to be looking for those things that I can do beyond my words. I love words, okay? I use words a lot. But words are not enough. Words are not enough. So, so we're, we're opposed to certain things. What are we doing in our lives to actually facilitate change in this world? that starts right here in our little circle. I, I don't know the answer to that. I told you I wouldn't belabor it by trying, trying to give you the answer. I just want you to ask that question. And I think when you ask that question, it's going to challenge you far beyond the voting booth. Go and vote. Let your Christian light shine in everything that you do, including, including the polling place. But let's take it beyond that. Don't know who wins. Don't know who wins this time. Don't know who wins next time. Probably be shocked by all of the above. But, but here's the truth. 
you, your guy, can I say that? Guy in the generic sense, your gal, your person could, could win every election from here on out. But if you don't know Jesus, what have you gained? I'm only talking about these things under the assumption that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then everything I've said today doesn't matter a hill of beans. We need to come and walk with him. And he will lead us in paths of righteousness. That's the invitation. Come, repent, come to be baptized, come to to throw your burdens upon him. You come to the one who can truly save you. Jesus Christ, as we stand and as we sing.